0: Wake up, America, before it's too late. The
1: Steve Day Show.
0: And greetings. Happy Wednesday. Welcome to the Steve Day Show here, live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Steve Dace here alongside Aaron McIntyre and Todd Erzin coming up on the program today. We're trying to fit as much in, man, as we possibly can before we bid adieu. For a couple of weeks, as we always do uh, over the holidays, so we're, you're going to get your typical Wednesday today. We will have the Prophet of Woe and Lamentation. We will get to buy-seller hold next hour. Uh, we'll get through as many of your buy-seller hold submissions as we can, and then what we are unable to get to uh, will be held over for bonus buy-seller hold in the overtime for Blaze TV subscribers at blazetv.com/slash-day. Subscribe now. You get to Blaze TV You can get Blaze TV and the brand new uh, Blaze Media. Uh, blaze news get that uh, thrown in as well as a package deal completely uh, untethered uh, by or from uh, big tech i was talking to somebody that uh, a buddy of mine that uh, works at one of the other big conservative media platforms and recently and they were telling me that they are very interested to see how this goes you know and they were very glad to see us be the guinea pig to give
2: it a shot (laughs) i bet they were
0: he's like every he's like everybody wants to be second all right Go get him, Lone Ranger. We hope it works out for you. We're really rooting for you, but we kind of want to see it work first. All right? So you can subscribe. At least least we were being honest. You can subscribe now at blazetv.com slash dace so you don't miss today's overtime or any of the exclusive content. For example, we're doing a post-debate show tonight. Uh, that uh, I will uh, log on from remotely from my home uh, and be a part of for about 30 minutes tonight. That and all kinds of exclusive content available for you at BlazeTV.com/dace if you subscribe today. But uh, there was also a big lawsuit announced uh, recently. Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton is now going after Pfizer for criminal fraud. Tracy Beans uh, had did an outstanding uh, review and analysis of the uh, of that suit. Uh, in, in its initial filing uh, on Twitter just last week. And so we're going to have her on here today uh, to give you the rundown of uh, of this, both the good, the bad, and the ugly. You don't want to miss that coming up here at the bottom of the hour. Also, you don't want to miss out on our friends over at Samaritan Ministries. Uh, Jamie sent me a note that have made my heart warm when I heard Samaritan Ministries had become a new partner on your show. I've been a member for over 10 years. Ever since I primarily became self-employed, they have been a total lifesaver for the self-employed community. Uh, that wants to get the best value for their healthcare dollar and also feel like they're doing things the way that God intended. Christians helping Christians. I've used them on two occasions over the years. Both times have been excellent experiences. Most recently was a motorcycle wreck that I had this summer. It was just me all by myself, distracted with some things while riding, And the people there were very helpful, making sure I got all the paperwork turned in properly to submit my need. Fulfillment was super quick and easy. I cannot rank Recommend Samaritan Ministries highly enough for people looking for coverage for the big events, especially in their healthcare needs. Then he goes on to talk about, by the way, all the details he learned about the healthcare industry and what things cost. Now that he's doing it this way, that rather than going through a third party like an HMO or an insurer. So if you also want to join up with our friends over at Samaritan Ministries, uh, just like Jamie did, and find out if it's the right fit for you, like it is for him. Um, check them out right now. Uh, just go to org slash Steve Dace. That's org slash Steve Dace. Again, org slash Steve Dace. And with that, let's begin with Aaron's rundown
3: of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away, brought to you by academia, ladies and gentlemen. The presidents of Harvard, Penn, and MIT testified in front of a House panel yesterday and were asked point blank if calling for the genocide of Jews violates their student codes of conduct.
1: Yes or no. I've heard chants, which can be anti-Semitic depending on the context... When calling for the elimination of the Jewish people. Ms. McGill, at Penn, does calling for the genocide of Jews violate Penn's rules or code of conduct? If the speech turns into conduct, it can be harassment. Dr. Gay, at Harvard, does calling for the genocide of Jews violate Harvard's rules of bullying and harassment, yes or no? It can be, depending on the context.
3: Yikes. Meanwhile, at the border... I love you, Joe Biden. Thank you
2: for everything, Joe Biden. I'm a good person. I want to be a good person here in the United States.
3: Back in D.C., Save Girls sports advocate Riley Gaines testified in front of a House committee yesterday on the topic of the Biden administration's proposed changes to Title IX. One member of that House committee is Congresswoman Summer Lee, who called Gaines transphobic during her opening remarks. Here's how Gaines responded during her opening statement and what happened afterwards.
2: And Ranking Member Lee, if my testimony makes me transphobic, then I believe your opening monologue makes you a misogynist. Thank you.
1: Uh, Madam Chair, excuse me, I moved to have uh, the gentlewoman's words taken down. the committee will suspend.
3: For those of you listening, Congresswoman Lee Butthurt asked that Gaines' statement be struck from the record, and the committee was thrown into upheaval before Congresswoman Lee says... Okay, I move to withdraw the point of order. Yeah, these people got nothing on you. National Women's Law Center President Fatima Graves, the communist witness at that hearing, had some advice for people like Gaines.
1: It teaches so much about persistence and leadership and, and discipline, unless they learn to lose gracefully hopefully
3: a video resurfaced yesterday of a june interview between cbs news and nikki haley where haley is asked where she stands on the issue of transing kids Uh,
0: madam ambassador another question is what care should be on the table when a 12 year old child in this country assigned female at birth says actually i feel more comfortable living as a boy what should the law allow the response to be
1: I think the law should stay out of it, and I think parents should handle it.
3: And that's the clip that went viral yesterday, and here's her full answer.
1: And then when that child becomes 18, if they want to make more of a permanent change, they can do that. But I think up until then, we see with our teenage kids, they go through a lot during puberty. They go through a lot of confusion. They go through a lot of anxiety. They go through a lot of pressures. We should support them the whole way through, but we don't need to go and enforce something in schools. We don't need schools sitting there hiding from the parents Mm -hmm. what gender. Pronoun they're using. We don't need to have those conversations in schools. Those are conversations that should be had at home.
3: Yeah, that's not much better. By the way, yesterday it was revealed a top Democrat mega donor named Reed Hoffman just donated a quarter million dollars to Nikki Haley's super PAC, so there's that. Donald Trump had a town hall with Sean Hannity last night where the former president shared his take on the DeSantis-Newsom debate. Well, I saw one person on who I actually had a very good relationship with, but I'm sure that it would end very quickly. I saw him in your debate the other night and he's slick, but he's got no facts. You know, he's got no facts.
1: Uh, I thought he did well, considering... You're talking about Gavin Newsom. Yeah,
3: considering that
1: he didn't have the facts, I thought he did well.
3: Learning Chinese today, today's phrase is what? Shema. Trump-appointed FBI Director Chris Wray was grilled by Senator Josh Hawley yesterday about whether anyone got fired at the FBI over that field office memo that labeled traditional Catholics as domestic terrorist threats. Yes or no? The individuals involved in that product Have you fired anyone? F- just a minute.
0: Were not found to have engaged in any intentional or bad faith conduct and in fact, in fact, Senator, a number of the individuals so the involved no. a number of the individuals involved in writing that product in the Richmond office were themselves
3: Catholics. So the notion oh, I see. that so they were targeting
0: their own faith. Oh, oh so they is had to nonsense. get out of jail free
3: card. I see. They, I see. So you're I immune not and they're that. immune. So we shouldn't ask questions about it. You haven't done a darn thing. You haven't fired anybody. And then there's this. CNN spoke to an Iowa GOP caucus voter six months ago at the Family Leadership Summit in Des Moines. And this past week, followed up with her. Watch this. Sally Hoffman has been thinking and praying about the Republican presidential race.
1: I pray for the direction this country is going, and I pray for the candidates.
3: As candidates have descended on Iowa, Hoffman has watched with an open mind. When we first met earlier this year, she had high praise for Donald Trump and curiosity for two of his rivals.
1: I like what Trump has done. I, to me, it's huge for it to have three um, U.S. Supreme Court justices during his term and that uh, I'm a big pro-life proponent. I like what Nikki Haley's doing. I like um, DeSantis, too. So it's kind of in that range.
3: Now, as Republican hopefuls scramble for support six weeks before the Iowa caucuses
0: opened the 2024 campaign, Hoffman is among those looking for a fresh start.
1: I'm thankful for what Trump did when he was in office. But I have um, been a little bit disappointed in Trump lately. I'm just veering away from him and leaning towards DeSantis he seems like a man who when he believes something he'll stand by it and that's what I appreciate about him
3: and finally going full circle on today's montage here's this from the Babylon Bee Jewish family celebrates Hanukkah 2023 in neighbor's attic and that's what happened while we were away
0: wow I saw last week that uh, Yasher Ali guy who is that guy
3: yeah he's who is he I, I don't know. He's he's done a lot of uh, hit pieces on conservatives over the years. Okay. He also brings to light some things that are interesting to people like us on occasion. Okay, I I saw him
0: condemn a uh, a terrorist attack uh, that was uh, involved a Hanukkah uh, recognition uh, service or recognition on the grounds that. Hanukkah has nothing to do with what's going on in Israel. Can someone explain to me how Hanukkah has nothing to do—a holiday that commemorates a historic event that took place in recognition of the restoration of of the Jewish state and the rededication of its temple—has nothing to do with what is happening within the modern Jewish state. Can someone, I, I, I'm not smart enough to understand that. Can you explain that to me? Can you can distill it down into something my mortal brain can understand. I think we
2: should ask the three women running Penn, Harvard and MIT. I'm sure they have an answer for you, Steve. Oh, we're going to get to that here in a second, right after I tell you about our friends over at Eden pure. Did you
0: see we had another excellent audience review of the Eden Pure Thunderstorm air purifier. Yesterday we've had so many of those since they came on board back in 2022. See if you might be their next satisfied customer. The Thunderstorm air purifier does not freshen the air, it purifies it. So it gets rid of the components that are causing those odors. Everything from cigarette smoke to burnt popcorn or cooking. Todd was eating some popcorn that smelled so bad when I came in this morning. The first question I asked was who urinated on the carpet. Seriously, that happened. That did happen, correct? It It actually,
2: yeah. These are the conversations we have off air. It's always (laughs) inspiring, liberating.
0: Yeah, I don't think people understand. The best conversations are actually on the air. What happens off the (laughs) air? You're not missing anything. We're really just at our worst. We save it all for you, all right? Uh, But you can get the uh, the three pack of the thunderstorm air purifiers right now, and free shipping. All you get them all for under $200 if you use the promo code Steve when you go to edenpuredeals.com that's edenpuredeals.com use the discount code Steve at edenpuredeals.com. All right to the uh, montage we now we now go and I'm glad that you put this in because I have been I have at the beginning of your montage Aaron because I have been wrestling with this over the last few weeks. Well, first, I'll come back to that point in a second. How many of those university presidents and deans do you think would want to know the context if people were chanting death to the homos on their campuses? What would be the what would be the context where that is okay on their campuses, do you think?
2: We are negative integers, black hole levels yeah, of yeah. yeah. Death to the trannies. If they, if they were chanting
0: death to the trannies on their, on their campuses, what would be the acceptable context by which that would then be okay on their campuses? Forget, Do you know what forget, that would be?
2: Forget even going that far. You just have to slip up and use the wrong pronoun once. Correct.
0: Death to the pedos. Death to the pedos. Would is, what, what context would that be appropriate on, 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 you know, within their uh, campus environments? That they would have to then re examine whether discipline was necessary. There would be no nuance. There would be no nuance. So, why is there nuance when it comes to death to the Jews? Hmm. But there has been a a spate of stories in the last few weeks of elites that have been donating mega dollars to these campuses. In many cases, their own alma mater's that are now pulling their, their donations because of the, the open anti-Semitic and anti-Western sentiment being expressed on these campuses. And, and I am left with, with wrestling with one of two possibilities here. And, and sometimes when I do this, yes, it's tongue-in-cheek, because it's pretty obvious what the, what, the, what the answer is, and I just offer up another one to point out how obvious the answer is. But let me tell you this. I, being involved, hands-on, working in the political field, Raising money, going, interacting with donors, I'm telling you, it's entirely possible that both of these options are true. It is very rare that I have met someone with, a, with an amount of wealth I could not even possibly understand, let alone think I could ever acquire. And I walked out of that meeting, and I, and I've met, I, I have met a lot of wealthy people in the last decade. A lot. And it's rare that I have walked out of there thinking, I can see why that person has all their money. They're just a hell of a lot smarter than me. It's extremely rare. Many times I've walked out of said meetings and I have thought to myself, how the hell does that person have a lot more money than me? How is it possible? That person literally not only could not hold my jockstrap, I'm not sure they could hold... A jockstrap. How is this possible? I've had many more examples like that. Of the Peter principle. Than I have of. Oh. That's just a better human than I am. So I. The two options I'm about to present to you. I think are. Either one is possible. A. These donors were just this dumb. All these years. That this amount of anti-Semitic. And anti-Western sentiment was, was already, a, that the old alma mater was already a breeding ground for this. They were just this tuned out. Just, they, they just are this gobsmacked to, to now realize since October 7th that this has been going on. Or B, they think, so they're either that stupid or B, they think we're stupid enough to believe that. In other words, they knew that this was happening all along, but it's reached a crescendo since October the 7th. That's it's 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 unignorable. It's it's impossible to look the other way now. And therefore, they've got to do their own version of CYA. And and act as if they are outraged. At this like new, fa- this newfound surge of anti-Western and anti-Semitic sentiment uh, on, on America's uh, elitist, uh, elite, godless, secular spirit of the age campuses. Which do you think it is, or do you think it's a case by case basis?
2: I think it's closer to the former, and it, it starts off with. So the you lo- think it's you think they could be that out of touch? Well, well yeah, with with consequences. Because, listen, the Jesuit institution, the Catholic Jesuit institutions are, no, you know, the, the whole notion of the great debate that is supposed to happen on college campuses. The For this- people who don't know, if you're not Catholic, Paul is
0: referencing or I'm sorry uh <laughs> i'm todd nice to meet you steve <laughs> <laughs> yes todd is referencing the heretical order of uh, of catholic priests yes. yes so for those of you that don't know the score the players on the scorecard but Jesuit
2: or not the, the great Socratic dialogue the great debate that is supposed to happen yeah yes to some degree but it doesn't have you, you know the whole point of you know listening to socrates is you know you get to the end and socrates says that's stupid you know we that's the, at some point you're doing this not just to do it you're sifting wheat from chaff and you end up you're supposed to ask people to exit stage left yet that's what never happens mm-hmm. and these people realize oh there's no consequences and the worse your ideas are if there's no consequences and you're simply driven by pride and the devil things are going to turn into this and people are like how did they, they, my point to come full circle the way are people went how 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 did this happen well you know you didn't the point of discussing the ideas is to find the good ones and cast out the bad that's the point guys and if you don't do that you end up with this
0: Aaron which do you think it is or you think it's case by case
3: I think it's case by case probably it's just it's fascinating always now no lessons will be learned no, that's that's the that's the lesson here. No lessons will ever be learned. Watching this kind of reminds me of, of of the media and like the week after the 2016 election. Hey, did we miss something here? No, it's the voters who are at fault here. That That's what that's what's going on right now. There's no there's not going to be any sort of long term introspection. The elites in academia have set up this environment. Chris Rufo just tweeted something. Uh, some something similar recently. Uh, just this morning, not going to be able to find it. But is they this they up? find
0: themselves in a beautiful bind? Exactly. You want me
3: to read this really quick? If it's right in front of you, yeah.
0: Yeah. Academia finds itself in a beautiful bind. They set up all of these rules, regulations, yes. and codes to scapegoat whiteness, but now they have allowed that concept to creep into tacit support for anti-Semitism. Conservatives need to keep pressing. University presidents have no exit. In other words, they're cornered. Yes.
2: Well he- If I may, Aaron, you make a great point about no lessons will be learned. And I just want to ask you point blank where you think this is, Steve, because in Aaron's montage, in the same day, not one, not two, but three congressional hearings. Hate the Jews. Men belong in women's sports and women's locker rooms. And the FBI is rounding you up. Not good stories. We're
3: doing fine here.
2: But here's the (laughs) point. We know about that. Right. America, you know, they know more about... The college football stuff that came out yesterday or that taylor swift is person of the year then they know about that so that's a huge problem b steve let's say tomorrow you have the power you're given the power everybody in america needs to watch just that montage by aaron but everybody at least needs to see it so it's not the knowledge problem but even if they see it steve do we get the red wave or people like this well, is i'll take this my is, chances
0: this is the argument this this the, the there have been two meta arguments on the right for people for people who of integrity. There's a lot of there's too many people on the right that don't have much and have lost whatever they've had in this era. Okay, correct. But for people, regardless of, of where you're at um, in this primary between Trump and DeSantis, for people of integrity on both of those sides, there have been two meta arguments in the Trump era. The first meta argument was how much can we debase ourselves like the left does to beat the left. Okay. That was, that was, that was the first argument. How far can we go? Okay. Uh, given how low our opponent is willing to sink. That was the first argument. Here is the new argument. And that's happening now that there is some level, and you just touched on it with both of the points you just raised again, that there's some level of exposure that if more people knew this, okay, that we need that. And that, and that, and that, that's why Trump's record on issues when they're bad, there are a lot of people that say this are just saying it because it's good for their business to say it. But there are people that sincerely believe this, okay? And they should be taken seriously. They're serious people. That it doesn't almost matter what Trump's record on issues is. Because the since the public sees him as such a disruptor, okay, that putting him out there exposes more of what you just said. Mm-hmm. It forces people to more confront what is really going on. And then that way... That will then he's a cudgel to do that. And then that way, the normies will come home once, expo, once, once we've reached a critical mass of exposure and then they will come our way. The normies, that's who I'm talking okay. about. Yes. And I thought that was true, actually, you know, so it's funny in both of these debates I've evolved in the first debate. I thought, I thought, we're, we, we, you know, I'm not even comfortable having this debate. All right. But, you know, you read your Bible a little again and you realize that maybe the man has a lot more, puts a lot more restrictions on you in some places than God does. And so I came to the conclusion I, I evolved the other way. I said, hey, you know what? As long as we don't violate the laws of nature and nature's God, I, I don't really care what we do. Anything short of that? I, I don't care about any. Um, um, uh, tradition or any rule of engagement or any norm. I can't hold I'm up myself against, to rules that that's they right. want. That's right. I'm, I'm up against demons. Yeah. Okay. So I can't become demonic myself. Right. All right. I can't shake my fist at God. Well, to, in order to stop other people who have been doing it longer than me. But short of that, short of that, I'll violate any other norm or anything to beat these people. Okay. On this one, I've gone the other way again. I started off thinking that this was right, that there was a, a, a place of exposure we could get to, and then I lived through the 2022 midterm election.
2: Well, you lived through COVID too, huh?
0: and and where it was very clear that that was simply <laughs> yeah. never going to be the case, mm-hmm. in my view, it just wasn't. And the problem now I see, and and is that with when is is, is now we're at the point where if Kate. Okay, there's a there's a point of diminishing returns where Trump is the one who ex, who prompts them to act out this way so we can expose it. I agree that he does that. I agree. But then you reach the point where he becomes such a negative force the other way that that when he is the face, that's all we talk about. We never get to the other stuff. So you think of a think think of let, let's play out what the polls say is a very likely outcome. Donald Trump has has clinched the Republican nomination basically on Super Tuesday by the time we get to Super Tuesday. So way earlier than did in 2016, that nomination fight went well, went well into May. OK, so this thing's over the first Tuesday in March. He's basically the presumptive nominee. There's no path for anybody else. Right. What happens the very next day? I'm asking, do you guys remember what's scheduled the very next day?
2: is a uh, hearing trial the trial in yeah, DC yeah, is scheduled yeah. the next day
0: yeah this he- the trial in DC is scheduled for January 6th it's scheduled the next day so on on on, on super wednesday the day after Super Tuesday, if, if, is Donald Trump in this, according to the polls, this is very likely scenario, is Donald Trump going to be able to then turn all of his attention and all of his guns and everybody that backs him and the entire Trump me- right-wing media complex, are they all going to be starting right away, the very next day, aiming the, all of their fire at Biden or whoever the Democratic nominee is? No. No. Why? There's a trial because there's a trial going on. That's going to be exhausting, and and that's all the media is going to cover, and all the normies are going to hear about, is the way Donald Trump acted out in court today and got an, and got a, and 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 was you know held in contempt or threatened with it or Trump's outburst on this. And I'm exhausted. I want to move on. I don't. I never heard any of the stuff that you're talking about, Todd. Yeah. All I saw was a trial, and he got mad, and he acted like a douchebag, and everything else. And I'm just sick of the whole damn thing. Make it go. We've played this out. That's why I don't believe that he is valuable as a force for exposure any longer, because he has reached a point of negativity, in my view. And I don't care about your 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 cooked up polls with your one percent response rate. What I care about is what's happening on Election Day and what's happening on Election Day. The last several elections is we're getting our asses kicked or underperforming in places we should have clearly won. And normies aren't coming home now. I could be wrong. I, I could be wrong. Maybe that trial e- exposes some something that the normies were like, this isn't right. But I, here's what I'm, I know I'm not wrong about. If we play this out, according to my polls, March, April and May are not going to be spent. Pointing all of our fire at Joe Biden and Democrats, they're going to be spent on covering a trial and deflecting the narratives coming out of that, that most of the American people will either be bored and or disgusted by. And then you'll wake up one day and it'll be like August. That's finally behind us. That's if he's not arrested. That's if he's not incarcerated. That's finally behind us, except now we've got all kinds of other legal proceedings about who gets ballot access and who doesn't. At what point do we take all this fire and all this ammo and actually aim it at our enemy? Labor Day? Halloween? Halloween? Your election years go by quick. Tell me what I just said is wrong. It isn't, Aaron. Back to you anyway. Finish your point. Sorry about
3: that. No, I mean you made it uh, better than than I I could have. But uh, going back to going back to the, the hearings that we that we heard yesterday, does anybody really? Th- that's what we are up against in the meta. Those things are what we are up against in the meta. Just literally the doctrines of demons every single day. And then what you pointed out here, what are the chances that this time next year, when there is a chance to maybe put people into places of power that could push back against the doctrines of demons, maybe even demolish them on some level, what are the chances that our full attention is going to be on that chance? the polls, my polls say that chance of actually putting on a united front in some, in some level. On some level. My polls say the chances of putting on a United front are pretty, pretty low, given what they're doing to him. Yes, it's evil. Yes, it's wicked. Yes, it's unfair. Yes, it's corrupt. Yes, it's all of those things. All of those things are real, though, and they're coming around the corner. When's the uh, college basketball tournament? Is that March, though? March. Can't wait.
0: Yep. March. By the way, man, Nikki Haley campaign platform of dox the kids, kill the kids, mutilate the kids and then we'll draft your kids for forever war to reach the fever dreams of global hegemony by some unknown hedge fund manager. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. I'm st- Let's see if it works out. Right, that's a hell of a that's a hella platform for Nikki Haley.
2: I'm strangely encouraged. <laughs> I am. I am because she, you know what I've you've already you've shot me down so many times when I said I think she's more relevant than you think she is for various reasons but once you are demonic enough y- you can't even be savvy anymore you just blurt out the dumbest things possible case in point Nikki Haley she's just she could be relevant these but are the things re- you
0: say when corporations are God yeah yeah more in a moment You know a lot of us today are doing our best to avoid shopping at places that are openly attempting to end our way of life so why not apply the exact same thing uh to your investments and your retirement funds as well time to align your values with your investments uh to be both uh profitable and prophetic you can do that with our friends over at Constitution Wealth they can help you build a solid investment plan for retirement reduce investments in companies that are peddling the spirit of the age like uh, via ESG DEI CEI and more anti-family policies you know the rest um, Constitution Wealth can help, help you start voting shareholder voting your shareholder proxies to promote conservative actions at woke companies they're in this these guys are they, they're smart they know what they're doing Uh, They're successful and they want you, if you're successful as well, and you've got this kind of capacity, they want to help you put that to good use in the spiritual battle happening in America right now. Get a free consultation when you go to constitutionwealth.com slash Steve. They they took uh, millions of dollars of wealth in our audience this year since they came on board the 1st of January and realigned it uh, righteously. They want to maybe see if they can do the same thing for you. Get a free consultation today at constitutionwealth.com slash Steve. Constitutionwealth.com slash Steve. Steve is where you want to go. Uh, Tracy Beans is the editor in chief of Uncovered DC. Uh, she's been on our show before. Uh, she did a fantastic rundown on Twitter this week uh, or over the weekend of the uh, lawsuit that Governor, or I'm sorry, Attorney General Paxton filed in Texas against Pfizer. And we wanted her to share some of those details with us today. Good to see you again, Tracy. How are you?
4: Glad to be here. Merry Christmas, because I'm probably not going to talk to you again before then. You
0: bet. Same to you as well. So before we get into specifics, give us your kind of elevator pitch meta analysis of the merits of the lawsuit that uh, Attorney General Paxton has filed uh, in Texas.
4: So it's it's very strong, uh, mostly because it uses Pfizer's own data to make its claims. Um, so it's it's kind of hard to fight against that. The only thing I think they're gonna p- potentially come up against is all of the you know liability exemption that these pharmaceutical companies have when it comes to stuff like what's in this lawsuit. And the crux of it, Steve, is that Pfizer misrepresented its own data to make claims in public to make the public think that this thing was the the you know a miracle when in actuality, it was an absolute flop in every single way. And so because of that, they misled the public. The public bought their product. They made profits. And that's kind of the tack that this lawsuit's taking.
0: That leads me to a question that has been debated amongst people I know. About whether it's the Florida grand jury that was panelled in January, and it has a 12-month commission, so by the end of January next year, we're going to get its initial report findings. For that's that's that will happen, or whether it was that, whether whether the hope was placed in attorney generals like what Ken Paxton is doing in Texas. There has been debate amongst people I know about whether the better tactic. To just not even attempt to, to to thread the needle of both the 86 Reagan immunity and then the further immunity that Trump gave these companies via Operation Warp Speed. Don't even attempt to thread that needle. Instead, the government is the target. The government sanctioned the production of these vaccines, funded the production of these poisonous substances. Promoted them. And it, I mean, at draconian levels, promoted these substances and then finally attempted to impose them. And so instead, the government has no liability shields. And these these things would have never been manif- made manifest, whether if, if Trump had not written the check and Biden not issued the, the the mandate. So go after the government instead of the manufacturers. What are your thoughts on that?
4: Well, I agree with you. They should be going after the government. Interestingly, that's brought up in this lawsuit, Steve, because Pfizer did not take any money for development from the government. Um, Pfizer developed this on its own dime and then was looking to recoup via contract for doses from the government. So that's an interesting sort of loophole for just Pfizer. You know, Moderna, the rest of them, uh, not the same. This one in particular, yes. And the interesting thing about this that I I found anyway, most telling after covering these, these terrible, terrible injections for the years that I have been, is that finally we have something on the record about the efficacy rate. You know, we saw everywhere that 95% efficacy rate. And I have a note in front of me so that I get this right for your viewers because it gets complicated. Mm-hmm. The FDA, whether you're getting a a drug approved under emergency use authorization or FDA approved, when you market that that drug or, or provide study information, you're supposed to use either the absolute risk reduction of that treatment or the absolute and relative risk reduction. So the relative risk reduction gives a percentage reduction in one group versus another. The absolute risk reduction gives the actual difference In one in risk between one group and another. So what Pfizer did was use only relative risk to basically remove informed consent Mm -hmm. from from the entire population. Um, they said it was 95% effective at preventing COVID. This lawsuit details not only that, you know, first of all, they called the people in Israel lab rats, for lack of a better word. The the people at Pfizer said, Israel is our laboratory. It's our canary in the coal mine. Um, that's where we're gonna go to get all of our data. Well, it, it failed miserably there, which they documented. They made claims that this thing was protective against certain variants. It was never tested against certain variants. And they claimed 95% efficacy and not only was it not 95% effective? It was 0.85% in absolute risk reduction. So think about that. The number needed to treat to prevent even one single COVID case based on their standards of what a COVID case was, that's a whole different ballgame, was 119. Wow. 119. So we have Pfizer CEO Borla out there saying, you just know. To
0: people, we, I, want people, I want to make sure people understand everything you just said. Let's go back to front. Pfizer's own data showed they had to inject, they had to risk poisoning 119 people to stop one COVID infection. Correct. All right. Which, yeah. which, which only 2% of COVID infections allowed, had you go to the hospital. The, the infection fatality rate for COVID was something like 0.2. Okay. Yep. Uh, so that, so to, so to stop even one COVID infection, regardless of seriousness, according to Pfizer's own data, required them to risk poisoning 119 people. That's number one. Number two, they used their data for Israel where they were injecting anything that moved. And so there is no real control group there rather than going outside of a system and comparing its absolute risk. well, What does it look like if people that don't get injected? And one of the things we pointed out, Tracy, on this show all throughout these these two years is there could never be a control group. We were never permitted to say, well, let's look at Sweden. Okay, and compare Sweden's population with my home state of Michigan where they're almost the exact same populations just like much of Michigan's population is congregated around one area, Southeast Michigan with Detroit. Much of Sweden's population is congregated around Stockholm and that's a great, let's find out whether the Gretchen Whitmer approach or the Sweden approach works. We were never permitted to do that. We couldn't, we couldn't have control groups of non-masked people. There was never to be any control group that would ever show the people whether what they were doing to us was efficacious or not or effective or not. We just had to all go along with this. Otherwise you hated grandmother or were trying to kill old people.
4: Even worse than that, Steve, they unblinded their own participants in the trial before the trial was finished. So the people that did get a placebo, the control group, so to speak, mm-hmm. they were allowed to ask to be unblinded so they would know if they could actually get the vaccine should they have been in the placebo group. That is catastrophic. It is completely outside of the norm. It is not to be done. This entire thing was handled that way. But we knew all of these things already. Like This is just a very concise uh, documentation of all of the ways that they did this, not to mention the negative efficacy issue that came up. People in the vaccinated group getting sick with COVID at a more uh at a greater rate than those who were unvaccinated. Remember pandemic of the vaccinated? Mm-hmm. That never happened. That was never a thing. That was actually all lies. So in your in your hypothetical going after the government for things like that, yes. The problem has been until now getting literally anyone in any position of stature who could sue to to admit that they likely were a party to flooding their citizens with something Mm -hmm. that was completely dangerous. There's been one person I know who has been brave enough to say, oh my gosh, we made a mistake. But other than that, not many. So, yeah.
0: And he's the one that uh, convened the grand jury in, in Florida to go after this. Indeed. So walk us through, as someone that was deeply involved in the Missouri v. Biden case, so you've got some experience here, Walk us through how you expect this to proceed from this time forward.
4: The very first thing that'll happen is a change of venue request. Um, That's what they do the first time or and or coupled with a motion to dismiss. Um, Pfizer's gonna come at this, Paxton okay job in the beginning of kind of trying to combat their protections under EUA, because this is more of a consumer complaint lawsuit that showcases how terrible the shot was than it is a, oh my gosh, you killed people lawsuit, you Mm -hmm. need to pay for that. Um, Even though they do talk about adverse events in this. Um, So it's, you know, I've covered hundreds of court cases at this time. It is very, very strong in how it's written. It all just depends on what Pfizer's avenue of attack is going to be. But I'm happy that we've got a documented you know, state-filed lawsuit. And Paxton is on fire, Steve. He's filed, he filed another lawsuit against Pfizer just that same week, just last week as well. Um, same thing, they, fu- they they mucked up their numbers to be able to, um, they fudged them all to be able to say that a drug was safe when it wasn't uh, an ADHD drug in children. So they did that. He's got another one that he just filed that stems off of Missouri v. Biden uh, on, on a censorship, you know, media censorship angle. Ever since he's come back from in, impeachment, he, I mean, these are four or five massive lawsuits in the period of about three weeks that he's filed. And it's, it's been something to watch.
0: Indeed, it has. If, as you ran through this, was there anything that made you wince or made you think, eh, I think I that, 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 we're, that's going to give them a free shot to get this entire thing tossed out?
4: No, I was waiting for it. I really was. So you think it's pretty still, tight?
0: You think it's pretty tight?
4: I, I do. Okay. Yeah, I do. We seldom get lawsuits that are tight. So you're always expecting them to give themselves some out where, oh, we filed a lawsuit, but we lost. Here's the out that we're sticking Mm -hmm. in here. And, you know, smart people like you and your audience and they'll see it. But I, I didn't. I didn't see anything like that. I mean, as a matter of fact, Pfizer even targeted the former FTA director for removal from social media because of the comments he was making that could be bad for business for Pfizer. This is a global catastrophe, the likes of which we have never seen on this planet, affecting everybody um whether you're directly impacted because you took it or you know somebody who's injured or you know somebody who's having you know in a bad way because of it it is affecting every single person and the lawsuits are really flowing now um about this and i can i expect them to continue it's a travesty
0: wow all right tracy where can people follow your work on this uh so they can keep up to date
4: uh, thanks. I'm actually covering this three places. I'm covering it for uh, Uncover DC. You can go to UncoverDC.com. I'm also covering it for The Highwire, which is Del Bigtree's uh, mm-hmm. outfit over there with ICANN. And on Twitter, or XX on X, at Tracy Beans with the Z. Great
0: stuff. Merry Christmas again. Phenomenal work. Thank you, Tracy.
4: Merry Christmas. Have a good one.
0: You too. The floor now, gentlemen, belongs to you.
2: It's, she mentioned the crucial distinction, I think. This isn't and you started off uh, talking about the 86 but this isn't really about liability it's about consumer fraud that's that's that is what ken's going to
0: claim yes and 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 it's going to but be you, up to a judge to determine how how will a judge how broadly will a judge interpret the immunity statutes to the point that even consumer fraud is it's a blanket immunity. They're untouchable. Nothing can happen. A judge will have to determine that. Or or more than likely, as this goes through several appeals, several judges will.
2: I I I think it's <clears throat> e, e, listen, even if this thing did work b- better, again uh, you, you you don't get to simply lie i mean uh, to to the public to shareholders i don't it, it's it, it seems like this has been uh a, framed as well as possible i mean i here's my point you you everybody is just going to including the judges whoever's involved juries well, like they're, they're just they're going to have to flat out lie to, to, to and listen, we all know that that's correct. Cost, but we that's all know, Tuesday. We all know that that's possible. But this uh, and what I mean by that, this is a, you, uh, the old saying about um, um, for um, better to ask forgiveness than ask permission, sort of thing. Mm-hmm. That's the lie. T- they're just going to have to decide. You know what? Whatever anybody did is—I just don't. I just don't Unique care. Unique circumstance. Whatever. Well, that, that,
0: thats why the other points, Aaron, that that Tracy made about the other the ancillary lawsuits that that Paxton has filed here to show. Because you're right they could go they could revert back to we did what we could it was a panic we were trying to end the worst pandemic of all time a, an extinction level event blah 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 but Paxton has filed ancillary lawsuits to show no this is a this is a consistent strain of behavior of these folks this wasn't an outlier this was kind of just standard operating procedure
3: so my standard practice is hope for the best expect the worst there's also an outcome to this as tight as this lawsuit is And as comprehensive, as you mentioned, the ancillary lawsuits uh, make this entire case, uh, there's always the possibility, she said, change of venue. And there's just judge, a judge or series of judges Mm -hmm. who just say, I -hmm. don't care. Don't care.
2: Correct. Yeah. Which is
0: lying. We're, We're not a nation of laws. I haven't said this one in a while, but it's among the most truest things other than Jesus loves you, I've ever said. We're not a nation of laws. And we never have been. We're a nation of political will. And we always will be. That's that's the reality. That's entirely possible that that will happen. But here's the thing. At least now everybody's on the record. Now yes. we know. Yep. And that that's the thing for me. I, it, it, would I be more satisfied if we said the hangings after a fair trial, of course? Uh, the hangings were tomorrow at noon? Sure. But... As long as people are made to go on the record to show they don't give a bleep. You know, I'm actually okay. You know why? Okay. That's why there's a hell. I did my job. You know what I'm saying? I did my job. and, And your response was? Gaslight, no remorse, no repentance. Well, at that point in time, you know, don't ever ask us. We're not the show to ask why a loving God would permit a hell. Uh, this show celebrates the existence of hell. We're comforted by it. Uh, it is a it is the reminder that along that God as, as as both an imminent and transcendent being, God's grace and justice both get the last words simultaneously. And so, therefore, okay, that's where you'll go, and that's what you deserve. So, I mean, I, would I prefer that you know we get to see justice this east of you know this side of heaven, this side of eternity? Yeah, sure but if we don't now that what I don't like is when we don't make people go on the record that's what I don't like when we let people obfuscate escape we don't force the debate we don't force the response at that point in time if you're just like yeah I ordered the code red okay cool see you in hell actually I won't but they'll be seeing you and I'm okay with it I right, did my job I'm at peace hour two is next All right, back here with Hour 2 on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. I'm Steve Dace. He's Todd and he's Aaron McIntyre. You are you. You can let us know what you think about what we think by emailing the show steve at stevedace.com d-e-a-c-e like us on facebook me we and gab you can follow me at stevedace show on twitter get her instagram and tiktok you can also find me uh via podcast and many 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 of you have done that and we are so appreciative of it please show your appreciation for us leave us a five-star review someone sent me a note today because we were pondering whether you could just keep you know doing it over and over again said that they were permitted to leave two different five-star reviews, and then after they tried it again, they got locked out.
2: (laughs) I love the fact... No more Mr. Nice Guy.
0: I love the fact that someone in this audience tried it. That's great. Okay, I love you guys. Hit me. Indeed. Hit me. Yes, thank you, Danny. All right, uh, leave us a five-star review, or at least, or two, uh, if you can. And thank you to all of you that have done that for us. And hit subscribe, or in the case of iTunes, where most of you listen... Uh, on podcast are about two thirds of the podcast market hit follow there that way every time we do a new episode it will show up in your feed every single time our friends at Bonner private wines uh, they show up every single time as well with some of the finest wines in the world grown at some of the uh, the highest altitude vineyards. Uh, In the world. That way you get things like their sunai illogico that comes highly rated at 91 points with no finding, no filtration, not bogged down with sugars or other additives. The real pure fruit of the vine boasting a staggering 10 times more resveratrol. Just one of the specialities that they do at Bonner Private Wines. If you want to become a member, and that's the only way you can get this Sunai Illogico, is to become a member, uh, you can join today, uh, the Bonner Private Wine Partnership at Bonner Private Wines, B-O-N-N-E-R. BonnerPrivateWines.com slash Steve. Act fast, though. Because supplies of this Malbec sell out very fast. But they got so many other great wines as well you can choose from. You can get over 50% off them and free shipping at BonnerPrivateWines.com slash Steve. That's BonnerPrivateWines.com slash Steve. Coming up at the bottom of the hour, the weekly prophet of woe and lamentation himself, Daniel Horowitz, returns. Until then, we will get through as many of your buy, sell, or hold submissions as we can and what we were unable to 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 get to. We'll take care of those for you in the overtime today. This is where you submit the proposition. Todd, you and I will consider it. Then we'll determine whether we're going to buy it, whether we're going to sell it. If at any point at all during the episode, you are you're you're just you're you're so weak minded, you're so cornered, you're so defeated that you can't give an answer. And so you have to hold in violation of the dude code. You have to punk yourself. You know that gif that goes around where Lindsey Graham, I like to use, Lindsey Graham, smacking his lips? You know
2: that one? Have you seen that gif? Just say what you're going (laughs) to (laughs) say.
0: If you use a hold, you have to figure out what makes Lindsey smack his lips like that.
2: Nope.
3: Yep. Nope. Aaron, let's go. We will begin with a bang, Christopher Miller says. Calvinists hold paradoxical beliefs and when confronted, hide behind, quote, his ways are higher than our ways and non-canon authors. I asked him for more clarification because I thought he, I knew where he was going with this. And he said, illogical or paradoxical in that they would contend that God commands us to share the gospel with people who are fully and irreparably unable to respond to it forever. For what? Why would God, who in their soteriology, not mine... Uh, And he says he's a provisionist, by the way, sent Jesus to only die for those who are predestined. Have us do something so unreasonable, like sharing the gospel with those who are not uh, the elect. At that point, I find most Calvinists will resort to blanket statements like you or we just don't understand God or reverse logic. Like maybe God just wants to condemn them more or maybe God just wants uh, us to obey blindly on this. And they love to pull specific favorite verses instead of their full context or better yet, quote Spurgeon, MacArthur, Augustine or even Calvin himself, as their pithy quotes often fit their soteriology better.
0: A couple things on this. Number one, I, the the idea that quoting Spurgeon and Augustine makes for weak arguments. I got to say. <laughs> <laughs> that takes some chutzpah on your part. Who's that? Okay. Christopher. Christopher, dude. Um, when we do live reads for Tommy John Underwear, just tune out. They don't make a size large enough for what you're carrying, bro. I mean, just I'm just gonna dismiss Spurgeon and Augustine. Dis- Arguments suck, bro. I, I mean, I'm just gonna dismiss the absolute most influential non-apostolic theological figure in the history of the church, Augustine, and the arguably the greatest English-speaking preacher in the history of the church, Spurgeon. I got this, dude. I dude. I'm, this is not a. I, I dude. I love that, man. That, that is some that not, Even I won't even
2: entertain that. It's like that scene in okay. The Princess Bride. Aristotle, Socrates, Plato, morons! Yes!
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> these people will just
0: revert to arguably the two greatest minds in the history of the post-apostolic age! Where do these dumb. morons get off? <laughs> that, that being said, okay, speaking for me as a Sola Scriptura guy... I agree with you. I mean, for example, Augustine taught that all sex in, was was that all sex that was not intended for procreation was sinful. But I don't think that's biblical. So, as much as I love Augustine, and you guys all know one of my faves, okay, Bible doesn't teach that. I, that's the kind of stuff that a guy who comes out of a sex cult and and now is very you know, as Augustine literally did, who comes out of a sex cult now has maybe. You know, is, is 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 has his defenses up against his own personal sin pattern, and maybe projecting that on others. That I mean, none of us go to the church of Charles Spurgeon. Is Spurgeon
2: die for your sins, Todd. Mm, not that I'm aware of. Did
0: no. Augustine die for yours, Aaron? No. No. All right. So, uh, you know, I I'm 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 also okay with the idea that we're going to kind of need to see what the Word of God says, and not what even two of the greats of all time had to say. That being said. There are many better arguments against Calvinism than any of those that you articulated. For example, you know what the best Calvinist argument is for um, why God has us preach the gospel to people that are predestined to go to hell? Because he said so and he's sovereign. You're, You're beginning with notions that God needs reasons. God doesn't need reasons for anything. He's God. God doesn't have to appeal to our ability to understand or relate He's God. We have to relate to him. He's not required to lower himself to our standards. That being said, this time of year, we commemorate the fact that in his sovereignty, he chose to. But ultimately, the best argument for why God has us... I mean, I could take your argument and say, well, God knows by the other side of the argument. The um, the you know, the the uh, Arminian side of the argument, God already knows whether the person you're evangelizing is going to choose him or not. So why is he having you? Why is he having you evangelize to him? I mean, this works. This works with the Arminian sense, too. Well, God already knows who's going to choose him or not. You'd have to adopt a, a heresy known as open theism that God isn't omniscient, that God doesn't know all. This is the key point. You you would have to adopt this for what your soteriology that you're articulating for it to remain consistent. You would have to adopt a heresy known as open theism to come to the conclusion that you are. Because in Arminianism, God also knows who's going to end up choosing him or not. So why 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 does he want you to, uh, to evangelize people that he knows in advance aren't going to choose to follow him? Do not attempt to make sense of God's ways through human intuitions or interactions.
3: Oh, the, you're, you're falling for his trap now, Steve. You're reverting back to God's ways are not our ways.
0: They're they're not. It may not, it may be just as simple as Jesus said God makes the rain fall on the just and the unjust alike. The gospel gets preached to the to the repentant and the unrepentant alike, so that no one will hold a claim on God. Anyone who enters into hell, no one can say they weren't warned. Everyone was warned. Everyone was told. God made it plain. There's lots of answers to that question. There's, there's, there's better arguments against Calvinism than that. But the idea that Calvinism is, is self-refuting... By the way, paradoxical isn't bad. No, much of the Christian faith is paradoxical. We're in the world and not of it. Jesus is Lord, but the fu- we're not yet in the fulfillment of His kingdom. Almost all of Christianity requires the ad- adoption of paradoxes.
3: The Trinity, in some respect, is paradoxical. Correct.
0: I mean, Christianity—that's what makes it so difficult—is that it requires a paradoxical understanding of the world because God is transcendent, apart above beyond this world but there are better arguments other than well god wanted us to do something that there may not that the result already was futile well if you're an arminian then you believe that god knows through history who will choose him so he's having you preach to people that he already knows won't choose to follow him so what's the difference there isn't a difference there
2: I've just got a co- Aaron, what did you say he defines himself as?
3: Provisionist. So it's... A, it's it, My understanding of provisionism is like Arminian theology with a few key differences, such as um, provisionists would uh, adhere to the belief that you cannot lose your salvation once you have it, which I, I don't believe Arminians believe.
0: A lot. Well, some do, some don't, but yeah. Okay.
2: Okay. Just... I'll say in my experience, like with these two, and certainly lately where I've been getting into it a lot, Catholic v. Protestant kind like, of... I can't remember the last time anything regarding predestination came up. I honestly couldn't tell you. I could tell you what these two guys think about a lot of things. I'm not. If if Steve has told me exactly what he thinks about predestination, it was a long time ago, and I've since forgotten. I will say one thing just to clarify because I don't. I will, Steve, I would I would say that when you say God can do anything He wants. I think I know what you're saying by that, but Mm -hmm. I would say, strictly speaking, God's sovereignty is defined by God's nature. Correct. Like when I pointed out last week that
0: God God chose in his sovereignty to limit himself on our behalf by binding himself to his word so that we had, we would have any shot whatsoever of understanding him Mm -hmm. and the way his creation works. He did not have to do that. Was there any requiring God to do that? No. no. In his sovereignty, he chose to do that. He chose to limit himself to become a human being as we commemorate this time of year. No, it's
2: it's even farther than that, that his name, God can't, it's not limiting to say God can't do whatever he wants. God can't do evil. That's right, because, because it's contrary his to his nature, character. His, his nature. Yes. So I just—I yeah. know what you meant by that, but I think yeah. people hear that. That's a good clarification. Say, because this is the, one of the major distinctions between a Christian notion of God and an Islamic notion of God.
0: Very true. Yeah, that's that's an excellent point. Thank you for that clarification.
3: On these conversations, I, I attempt as best as I can to apply a razor. I, I don't know whose razor this is, but I ask myself what—on on, on both sides of these issues— What glorifies God the most? Correct. Objectively. I believe what he has articulated is that God does not know who is saved and who is unsaved or who will be saved and who is unsaved, meaning he's not all-knowing. That, to me, objectively does not glorify God the most. The, The notion that God does know those things does glorify him the most in my opinion. So that's... Correct.
0: Things. You know, and so this, so back to your point of, by the way, for those that don't know, there was a term that he did use there, soterology, that is essentially the, the science the, or theology of salvation. How does salvation occur? Okay. Um, meaning, how are we saved from our sins? Okay. So we don't go to hell. But the reason why we haven't spent a lot of time discussing predestination, the Bible is very clear that there is, a, there is clearly an element of predestination. You have and I'm going to this is more technical than what I'm about to describe, but I'm trying to make it as simple as I can for a very broad audience of thought on these topics. Okay, the Augustinian view of predestination. Is that after is, is, a, is what is sometimes referred to as single predestination, that after the fall, after human beings sinned, after Adam sinned, God through history, single predestined a remnant of his to, to, for salvation so that not all of us would go to hell. The Calvinistic view, or sometimes referred to as double predestination, is that God predestines people both for heaven and hell, because this comes right out of the book of Romans. All right. Jacob I loved and Esau I hated, Paul says, that some are created for destruction, and that God is permitted to do that in his sovereignty. Okay. And so there's a there there you cannot argue against predestination. There is no argument against it. It's a very relevant theme in the Bible. The question is what are is is how far does does oh. predestination go? That's the debate. The debate of its existence is not a debate. Well, and anyone who tells you otherwise is, is is really either uninformed or heading into heterodoxy if not heresy. The debate is over whether what is how far does it go? Now, that being said, I'm not saying there is no biblical argument against predestination for salvation and that the only two views are what Augustine articulated and Calvin articulated. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying, though, is that as they, as a principle, predestination is clearly articulated in the scriptures. How we then understand it in our finite minds, that's where the debate is. In my view, I'll just tell you what my opinion is. As no theologian at all, but someone that hosts a show with one of the largest audiences of Christians in the United States of America. You guys should know what I think about these kinds of topics because it drives what I will say on on, on this and other broader themes, okay? At his most vulnerable moment, the king of the universe, the most human moment that he ever experienced, he is sweating blood in the Garden of Gethsemane. In his divinity, he fully knows what is about to occur. In his humanity, he is fully in fear of what he is about to endure. And there is something that Jesus prays at that moment. Not my will, Father, but your will. Unless we think that that was just one isolated moment... Jesus' apostles come to him and they ask, Lord, teach us how to pray. And what does he say? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. For eons, centuries, epochs, Christians have debated how much god's sovereignty extends or does not to things like predestination how much of my own free will i have how much of my own free will do i retain i believe much of that not all but much of it is in irrelevant debate because the real test of the christian is the giving up of our will For Christ and our neighbor. That we would love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Is there anything in there? What's the word all? All? The vast majority of which, and then you retain some free will. No. That I would offer myself up as a living sacrifice. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. My life is not my own. It was bought at a high price. How many more Bible verses should I quote here that make it very clear the Christian life is the laying down of one's will. As Christ laid down his will, his life for us, we lay down our life, our will for him so that it is not our will, our free will, how much of our freedom. That's what the teenager says to you. If I do this, will you still love me? If I do this, if I no, 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 no. We are to set our will aside. The desire for our will aside, we set aside to follow his will.
2: Not only the teenager, you described the uh, bargaining that uh, Abraham himself did with God uh, when it comes to Sodom and Gomorrah. And God keeps playing the game. Yep. But God God knows where that game ends up. Correct. It's it's about how much
0: of our own will and the the goal of the Christian life is to lay all of it down. That's why the apostles went to martyrdom. They took that challenge very seriously. Go ahead, Aaron.
3: I'm sorry. This has been a really good conversation. And there, we have 31 more submissions, but there's still one more point that I think it's really important to. He says Calvinists will revert back to statements like, maybe God just wants us to blindly obey on this. What's so bad about blindly obeying the most powerful being in the universe? Can anybody answer that question for me? That's well, a
0: very good point. I mean, I, I understand that... that uh, I, clearly, God, there's some level of reasoning God permits among us. That's yes. why He gave us His Word. Yes. All right. But
3: you look at the the, the prophet right. Jeremiah, and this is fresh in my mind because this was just in the sermon on Sunday. Jeremiah, God's God comes to him and says, "Hey, you need to buy this piece of land as the Babylonians are besieging Jerusalem." That doesn't make any sense. My pastor said it, that that's like buying you know swaths of land in Eastern Ukraine in early 2021. Wow. That doesn't make any sense. Yet it foreshadows the return to- of the king of kings at mm-hmm. the end of time.
2: You're talking about paradox again. Yes. Sometimes we, he says, like Romans 1, God's saying, use your damn reason. I told you, I gave you all this creation. You can see that I exist by what I gave you. That's reasonable. Right. Other times it says, yeah, I know this isn't unreasonable. I expect you to do it anyways. That's paradox. The oldest written book of the Bible and one of the longest books of the Bible is Job. What is the,
0: what is, what is the climax, the crescendo of Job? Because I said so. You and your buddies sit around pontificating, commiserating for page after page after page, verse after verse after verse, chapter after chapter after chapter. Finally, God shows up and says, hey, were you here when I slayed Leviathan? Were you here when I raised the mountains? No. Shut your hole and know your role. I'm God. With our own children, there are times that we will explain ourselves. And then there are times that our answer is what? because i said so yeah. because we're smarter than they are we know more than they are uh, we have we have we have a perspective beyond what they have so does it also at times with our heavenly father he is not required to give us explanations out of his love for us at with some things he does but ultimately we show our love for him by not requiring that of him and saying the your goodness and the evidence of that which the ultimate example of which is not even sparing your own son on my behalf. That's good enough for me.
3: Question two: Trump's <laughs> top favorite worship songs. <laughs> that's good. that was a great conversation. Yeah, uh, Trump's top f- ten favorite worship songs. You ready for this? Oh no! Number no. ten. We're going from great... that. To the... Did you do this on purpose? Yep. How great is our shot? <sighs> yes. Number nine. Lead me to the lost. <laughs> <laughs> Number eight. Lift my lies. Number seven, Old, Rugged Boss. Uh, <laughs> number six, Good, Good, Pfizer. <laughs> good, Good, <laughs> Pfizer. Number five, J6ers Paid It <laughs> All. Oh,
2: God. Oh, That's <laughs> brutal. Oh, Four, God.
3: Great Is My Faithlessness. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Number three, Oh, Praise The Gays and The Trannies. Number two, it is well with my polls.
5: <laughs> it is well with my poles. It is well with my poles. <laughs> That's incredible.
2: <laughs>
3: and number one, grifts into gardens. <laughs> it is well with my poles.
2: There's
0: this. Oh, my
3: gosh. There's when this. When indictments like rivers attacketh my business. <laughs> you know what, man? When, when you do an interview and someone asks you. When impeachment's like sea billows roll. <laughs> when you do an
0: interview and somebody asks you, who's supporting you? And they're earnestly attempting to give you a chance to put your, ba- your best foot forward. And they ask you, I mean, how do you keep going with everything you're facing? Because the guy does face a lot. The guy has been persecuted a lot. That's pretty self-evident, right? But his response is, well, I mean, what really keeps me going is, I mean, I've got the best poll numbers of all time. When, when you open yourself up to this sort of... Of uh, of parody that that is oh yeah that's 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 the kind of stuff that gets you a job at the Babylon Bee that's how good that is it is well with my polls I mean that is I, wow
2: this makes me think of I got to give a shout out to her. there's this gal at church who listens to the show regularly and we always sit a couple of pews uh, near each other and often so we uh, pleasantries after mass and without missing a beat he turns to me after mass and straight face says brothers be flipping just I, <laughs> she's like in her, she her. she's in like in her 60s i guess that's great the, i know and i'm just this sunday i know same straight face she's just gonna look at me and say it is well with my pole <laughs> all right we'll do
0: lightning round after i tell you about our friends at relief factor i mean i'm that that song list was incredible um Our friends at Relief Factor, they want to be uh, the solution you've been looking for, for the chronic pain that's causing that uh, achiness, stiffness, and soreness that uh, you just can't seem to get rid of. Likely that is because it's chronic from too much inflammation in the body, particularly your joints. They've got a drug-free anti-inflammatory that they think might be what you're looking for. How good are the odds? Well, over the years, about 70% of the people who try the three-week quick start see such great results in three weeks or less that they stick around long-term. So 20 bucks for 70% odds that this is what you're looking for. That's a pretty good bet to take. Why not see if you don't see a difference in your pain in three weeks or less when you go to relieffactor.com. That's relieffactor.com or call 800, the number 4-RELIEF, 800-4-RELIEF or head over to relieffactor.com. Alright, lightning
3: round. Okay, We will go next to Tyler Motes who says DeSantis comes out guns blazing and does to Nikki what he did to Newsom on Hannity.
2: Mm, so. Buy.
3: I'm gonna buy.
0: I'm gonna buy.
2: It may happen that way. I don't think he's tactically going to come out guns blazing just for her it may end up devolve not devolving but evolving into that
3: next up we go to nate Uh, nikki haley being okay with minors surgically transitioning ends her candidacy in the gop primary
2: uh
0: so it it, it severely limits it but you have to understand the people that are donating to her yeah are okay with this mm-hmm. yeah she is the when i say things like the only people who hate us more than the democrats are the republicans she is the embodiment mm-hmm. the manifestation of that wing of,
2: of of the republican party and she's kind of joe bidening herself like what do i have to say what do i have to do to Correct. get into this thing yes
3: Next, we go to I'm Your Huckleberry, top five underrated sitcoms, number five, New Heart, four, Arrested Development, three, Night Court, the original version, two, News Radio, and number one, WKRP in Cincinnati. That's a great list.
0: I've never seen Arrested Development, but I've seen all the other ones. That's a pretty good list. I'll buy it. It's WKRP.
2: KRP underrated. I mean, I don't I, I, so. It is That's if you're classic. Aaron's age, probably. You know, oh you goodness. and
0: I were just on the tail end of that, but yeah. I
2: mean, uh, one of the greatest sitcom episodes of all time is the Turkey episode, the Thanksgiving yeah. episode on WKRP, of course.
0: Like you could put others in there, like Head of the Class, for example. The same guy who played. Same guy uh, Howard Hessman. Yep, uh, he was in both of those. Yep.
2: Ashton
3: DeGroot, our colleague at the Blaze, says a Muppet Christmas Carol is the best film adaptation of a Christmas Carol. Bye. I know a it's lot of really people good. feel
0: this way. It is good, but I'm going to sell. I think the best is the Jim Carrey animated version. It's the most faithful to the story. Uh, it's visually stunning. It's incredibly well um, uh, performed. I think that is the best uh, iteration of Dickens' classic. That That's I've seen. It's
3: funny you say There's that, so but we many. have another Jim Carrey prop coming up uh, later on, too.
2: Okay. There's so many. Let's not argue Scrooged, Bill Murray. That's fantastic. That is a good movie. Yeah.
3: Mr. Excuse Me says blue cheese is a better dipping sauce for buffalo wings than ranch dressing.
2: I have to sell because
0: the first time I ever got stomach flu as a kid, the, and I loved blue cheese. And I and uh, the first time I ever got stomach flu as a kid, the last thing I ate included you. blue cheese dressing.
2: You, Steve Dace, as a child... You want us to believe you liked blue cheese? I
0: did. I loved blue cheese dressing as a know kid. If I can,
2: And I, the, but the first time I ever fault. got the
0: stomach flu, it was blue cheese dressing was the last thing I ate, and it came out all the wrong ends, and I've not been able to even tolerate the smell of it ever since. <laughs> so I
2: have this to sell. is this is by because the the difference between good ranch dressing and mediocre is vast. Usually, with the blue cheese dressing, I think you get something more consistent.
3: Next, Pat Oney says the NCAA proposing a new subdivision to allow schools to pay athletes directly, I should say, is good for college sports. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm, I had to pause just to let Todd go first.
2: Pat, <laughs> you're adorable. When you, I'm, I'm,
0: here, here's the thing. Nope. <laughs> it's all bad. If, if you're the schools that can do this, why would you keep the NCA around as a middleman? See, that's
3: my question. I mean, what's, why, what's why, the
0: why, why, why do they get a cut of this? You can just do this without them. Yeah. You know, I, I don't understand what the purpose is of having the NCA as a middleman. Unl- unless you're just like, you know what, we don't want to take on the responsibility of, the, of, of all the championships the NCA does, and so we'll give them a cut for a commission, you know, because they do, do a good job hosting championships, fine. Okay, but you can do all that stuff without them, you know, so. I'll buy, here's why, it will be better than what exists right now. Think that doesn't mean that, it'll be good, but it yeah. would be. It's better than what exists right right now. Is the worst of every world. What's happening right now?
2: I just there's not. We keep thinking we're going to tweak and mess. Nothing that that we've done to college football in recent memory has turned out to be good. It's all bad, and it's all selfish, and it has nothing to do with the student athletes. Actual. Comprehensively, whatever they say. Oh, they need their shot. This is about some adult's grift somewhere else.
3: <laughs> Next, Tyler Bruder says greatest rock album by decade: 60s Abbey Road, 70s Rumors by Fleetwood Mac, 80s Joshua Tree by U2, and 90s Dirt by Allison chains
0: Man, that's a pretty good list. It's I mean, Abbey Road list. is one we of my an... all-time favorite albums. Yeah, um, Rumors is one of the best-selling albums of the 70s. One of the best-selling albums of all time. I mean, that's a pretty good list. You know, you could go with Thriller or Back in Black in the but, 80s instead, but Joshua Tree's a great call. Led
2: Zeppelin IV has to be on it for me.
0: Yeah, that's what, that would be the 70s, too. But And I wouldn't have Alice in Chains Dirt for the 90s, but that is a pretty good attempt. I'll oh, buy I it. Oh, I like it. Yeah. It's a good attempt. I'll I buy it. Yeah. All right, we'll come back. Daniel Horowitz will join us next. Preborn is looking forward to the day that uh, they get to go out of business. They're not needed anymore, but we are not yet there. And therefore they need us because there's lots of moms and their babies who, who need us as well. What preborn does, uh, they save babies from getting murdered by their mothers. And then they save mothers from making and com- the kind of mistake and committing the kind of sin that uh, just, that leaves a mark on your soul, uh, that, uh, You'll end up regretting and, and having to confront later on in life. I know if you're a woman and you fell for the lies of the enemy, you know what I'm talking about. And uh, hopefully you have a church that has uh, walked you through uh, that healing process, uh, that repentance and redemption process. How about we reach a generation of women before they fall for those lies? And that's what Preborn is trying to do 80 uh, percent of the time. When they show a woman the ultrasound of her child and she realizes it's not her body, but that's somebody else's heartbeat. She doesn't go through with killing her kid, but now she still needs help. So they offer it with prenatal care, postnatal care. All of that is free of charge. The ultrasounds free of charge. They're just 28 bucks even with inflation. Amy and I were just going over our end of year given. We made sure we put preborn near the top of our list. All right. And we've given to them before. That's why we urge you to do the same and give to them now if you want. Uh, just uh, go to preborn.com slash Steve. Make a tax deductible donation to a fantastic ministry today. Preborn.com slash Steve. Again, preborn.com slash Steve or dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby on your mobile phone or preborn.com slash Steve. Let's bring in the weekly prophet of woe and lamentation himself, Daniel Horowitz. It is good to see you, brother. How are you? We're
2: doing
5: all right, Steve. Waiting for this year to end.
2: <laughs>
5: <laughs> Although, wait until what? 2024. That's 24. what I was going to say. Is
2: that, <laughs> is that pessimism or optimism? Because <laughs> yeah. our theme here is it's going to be worse. You know that. <laughs> just I need a minute. Just... <laughs>
5: fuck off yeah we're running we're running out of time steve this year we got we got like two weeks left to uh to grift you know (laughs) (laughs) i'm great steve i'm sitting here waiting for the
0: year to end (laughs) um uh, where should we go Where do you I, i had a slate of things i wanted to talk about you literally just broke me with that where do you where should we go
5: Mr. Trump? I mean, that's always a good topic. I mean, it's very lucrative. Our audience
0: has not heard us discuss that previously. Um, Let's talk about what's happening in Congress right now. Uh,
2: Look at the look. It's like, I can't... Sure. Sure. dabble. (laughs) Why not?
0: (laughs) All right. So, Speaker Johnson sends a note to the Biden White House yesterday saying, no more... No more grift for Ukraine without serious border security. You buying it?
5: Well, to quote, uh, what what was it, Senator Tillis? He said, Johnson will find out. He'll sign what, he'll he'll pass what we send him. Um, So, historically, every House speaker has caved to what the Democrats want. Um, but, But, Steve, broadly speaking this whole thing is arguing from a position of weakness. They're arguing on a supplemental that doesn't need to get passed, right? Supplemental. And I say, well, we're not gonna pass more Ukraine unless you give us HR2. Well, how about just ignore the supplemental and say, we will not pass an NDAA and the next appropriation bill, what is it now, uh, January 19th, unless you stop the invasion? I mean, is is it that hard? You know, I I tweeted out yesterday, I saw that Biden is now considering putting housing illegal aliens on national parks. And we're always told one of the things that people don't like when you have a government shutdown is that the parks shut down. Like as if that's going to cause some sort of a civil war. But the Biden administration could place the invaders on the parks and Republicans are still too scared that the government might shut down. I mean, this is the issue. So I don't care about the supplemental and and these fake back and forths. It's a matter of do you fear the destruction of our border security, sovereignty, economy, quality of life, culture more than you fear a temporary lapse in federal appropriations while we have 50 state governments and tens of thousands of local and municipal governments still functioning?
0: So this is an this is an important marker for our audience. Basically, you're telling them if I understand you correctly and if I'm wrong, please correct me. But basically, what I hear you telling them is do not get caught up in the day-to-day, uh, uh, you know, we're standing up to him here. Mike Johnson's doing great. Ultimately, if we're the only real leverage here is to fail is, is a refusal to fund the government. That's the only yep. real leverage. If you take that leverage off the table, then none of this None of this matters. Everything's irrelevant. Everything's just a talking point at that point because you've taken all the actual leverage off the table you have. And so this isn't a negotiation. Uh, this is what we used to call in the Boehner years. This is failure theater. OK, that that's essentially what we're talking about here.
5: I mean, it's failure theater, but it's actually worse than the Boehner years, because, I mean, in the Boehner years, we did get the Budget Control Act, which, by the way, was... Um, undermined by the Trump Ryan Murray deal, remember that the DeSantis Ryan—I mean the Trump Ryan Murray deal—that DeSantis tried to oppose, you know, with the Freedom Caucus there. Um, but if not for that, that actually did bend the trajectory. I don't know if that would have saved us financially, but you look on any chart, it really did bend the trajectory with something. In this case, we've. We've gone through this year with nothing. Steve, we've added $2.5 trillion since McCarthy's greatest ta- uh, spending cuts in history since, what was it, June, the beginning of June. So you're talking about five months, the greatest acceleration of debt. We now have a situation where 40% of all personal income tax revenue collected from every American worker goes towards nothing more than paying the interest on the dead, flushing it down the toilet. So nothing has changed on the border numbers, the vaccine death numbers, the budget numbers. It gets worse and worse and worse. Um, The green grift gets worse and worse and worse. Nothing changes. And you know what's interesting? And I want your audience to understand this. Even where Republicans do share our values and are united, they still have a paralysis of initiative and don't know what to do with it. So every Republican legitimately sides with Israel over Iran. Right there. I think that's you mm-hmm. know one issue where I don't think you have corporate donors or, you know, PC sensibilities getting in the way like you do on crime or immigration or, you know, cutting welfare or something like that. Legitimately, every Republican really is, you know, righteous on that. And yet Biden is just crushing Israel, leaving our soldiers in Iraq and Syria, getting attacked without doing anything. The Houthis are closing in on the shipping lanes, attacked a a U.S. destroyer for five hours on Sunday, and they did nothing about it, saddling up to Qatar, saddling up to Turkey and Iran, and even then, Republicans don't have the gumption to use the defense bill or anything. They'll pass some sort of resolution they did two days ago on anti-Zionism is anti-Semitism. And look, you know, you're a Christian Zionist, I'm a Jewish Zionist, I appreciate the sentiment, but really, I mean, what are you gonna do with that? But that—that that is the failure theater of the GOP. They'll take something even where there's unity behind a righteous position And just grind it to a state of paralysis. Um, And then, you know, just to put a spin on the end of the year, where we kind of are is the GOP is when you're choking. You're choking on a piece of meat or maybe, you know, Klaus Schwab's bugs or something. And, you know, you, 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 you can't get it down, but you can't spit it up. The GOP comes in to ensure that you are in a state of that middle ground in perpetuity mm-hmm. where you can't come to a resolution where either you know we solve the problem or it gets darker, but darker in a way that people feel the pain so they see the light. No, it just jujitsu's all that energy into just a black hole. And then you have the Trump movement come along and it's that black hole times 10. We have a great industry. We all agree to these problems. But the left marches on and on and on, and we're just earning a buck.
0: You, you basically described a false flag or controlled opposition. Yep. Um, speaking of, of which, how much are you buying? We talked about this at the top of the show. How much are you buying these uh, wealthy donors to academia, several of them Jewish, who now are suddenly shocked? that many of these uh, elite academic centers they've been donating to have been breeding grounds for anti-Semitic and anti-Western uh, thought and propaganda uh, that they are now openly spewing since October the 7th. How much of that is sincere? They truly did not know. And how much of it is they just think we're th- so they're that dumb? Or how much of it is they think we're this dumb that they now have to cover their tracks now that this is all increasingly out in the open?
5: They're a reflection of, of Schmuck Schumer. And Schmuck Schumer went to the Senate floor and he's like, I'm the highest ranking elected Jewish official and I got to speak out about the anti Semitism. And he gives what appears to be a very heartfelt speech on anti Semitism. But, you know, these people and, and Republicans in their own sphere and conservatives and Trump people, all of us, we just don't know how to shoot straight. So I have a motto on my show to focus on the issues that matter in the way it matters at the time it matters. So in the abstract, we all oppose anti-Semitism. But then when the actual issues that will affect the outcomes come to fruition, no one's there. And these people are down right on the other side. So these donors reflect Chuck Schumer's worldview. And Schumer is very bothered by anti-Semitism. Well, here's the deal. Chuck Schumer is the author of the 1990 immigration bill. You want to know why we have mass migration from Latin America? Heart seller 65. You want to know when the Middle East migration started? That was from the Diversity Visa Lottery in 1990. Schumer promised to, that it would bring in more um, Irish, Poles, and Italians, but it brought in it, it brought in jihad. Schumer is the most responsible and the people who share his worldview and some of these donors continue to fund candidates and causes that bring in. See, anti-Semitism is not like a hurricane. It's not a natural. like It didn't just come out of nowhere. It didn't fly in. It's predominantly from the Islamic Muslim Brotherhood influences and immigrants. Now, that mixes with the hard left that these people have supported. Um, so I'm not seeing any sign that they're doing that they're repenting. On immigration and then like all these people continue to support Biden but do you know what Steve speaking of immigration we now discovered the one time I've ever seen in my life where Democrats want to cut off visas I don't know if you saw this I mean you think that they brought in people from 150 different countries legal illegal it's all good they're cutting off visas to people in Judea and Samaria from coming here if they believe they engaged in violence towards Hamas hmm. and, and, and and Fatah. I mean, literally they're blinking an ass, he's cutting off visas. So there's not a word from these pagan, leftist, Jewish, non-Jewish, whatever they are, elected officials, NGOs, donors, um, he they're announcing that they're gonna cut off any, that no weapons are allowed to be used for for Jews in Judea, Samaria. I mean, you know, I'm just sick of people speaking about things in the abstract. Yeah. And then when it matters, they're on the other side. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like these liberal Jewish donors are kind of like the Trump people with the vaccines, you know, Tucker with the vaccines, like, what the hell with the vaccines? And these people are unrepentant. And then you have like the grand wizard of it and the most impactful man in your movement. And on that issue right in front of you. And it's, not a story. And he's punt. unrepentant. Yeah. Right? You ask him about UFOs so, I mean,
0: instead. Yeah.
5: So so it, it, everyone has their idolatry. The Democrat donors have their idolatry. They're not going to throw the broader Democrat worldview, which undergirds anti-Semitism, um, both, um, both thematically but also practically with immigration policies. And, you know, it's like people on the right that put all their hopes in one guy, even when it negates their own stated views. That's idolatry. I
0: want to close with this, and I'm going to limit you. I want a 30-second answer because I just want your immediate reaction, okay? This is something tweeted out earlier today by Monica Crowley. I don't know what she's doing now. used to be with the Washington Times when I was there, Fox News, quote, Republicans bounced George Santos. Kevin McCarthy is leaving. Bill Johnson is retiring. This will leave the G- GOP with a one-seat majority. Democrats would never do their voters like this. These people don't give a crap about us or the country. In fact, they revel in sticking it to us in the country. Disgusting. I want a 30-second Daniel Horowitz reaction to that.
5: I'm not going to react to it. I'll just say what to do with it. The bottom line is that this will continue until we make a pledge that people like Joni Ernst, Tillis... Lankford, Wicker, all these people we talk about, we will not vote for them even in a general election. They know they can do this to us because as Jared Kushner always said we have nowhere else to go. So we're all Mike Johnson, we're all
0: John Boehner, we're all Paul Ryan we all take our leverage off the table we all do it. We all take it off
5: the table it's time we sign pledges in a state like Iowa that X number of hundreds of thousands of primary voters we will not vote for them in the general. See they have the donors, that's the problem they have the donors, but we have the people but we supply the people every time. Until we take that off the table, uh, this will the, the beatings will continue.
0: Until morale improves. Thank you, Daniel. As always, appreciate it.
5: See ya. Just Merry
0: sitting Christmas. there waiting on the world to end. Good to see you. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel, brought to you by our friends. At the movie The Blind, if you've not seen this yet, it's a fantastic film about our colleague Phil Robertson, the transformation that Christ made in his life. It is raw. When I say that, what I mean is it's real, man. I mean, you see what he was really like, and then you get to see what uh, what he ultimately became. And it's a fantastic film. It's a great story of redemption. And for the first time ever, we're offering a theatrical-grade movie to our people here at The Blaze. Uh, You can buy it from us instead of getting it at Amazon or Apple if you don't want to give the enemy the money. Give it to us instead. Uh, It's a fantastic film. I love this movie. BlazeTV.com slash The Blind. BlazeTV.com slash The Blind. All right. Thoughts on Daniel and I? we just discussing.
2: Daniel needs to start a political yard sign side hustle because I'd invest. My two favorites there, and I would put them in my yard. And all GOP related. GOP arguing from a position of weakness. GOP grinding issues into irrelevance. I mean, that that makes my heart swoon. I mean, go go team America.
3: Nice. Yeah. No kidding. Um, I I just. Yet again, I think you need to reset this more often, Todd. I feel like we're, we're doing time as a flat circle, doing the same thing over and over and over again. What year is it? Is it 2016 again? The status quo is the status quo until it's not anymore? Mm. Now, I think you might have retired that after the 2016 election because that was a status quo altering thing. For a few weeks until the swamp. I will never forget reading that play, uh, reading that piece from, uh, from uh, was it Angelo Codevilla? Yeah. About Trump, how they figured Trump out pretty quickly. The mm-hmm. the the swamp did. What does Trump mean to us? It Was like the last piece he ever wrote yeah. before
0: he passed away. Yeah.
3: And uh, that's where we are. We're just doing the same thing. I I could have transported myself back in time to 2008 2009 in high school listening to the steve day show on who it's the same damn show every single year status quo is the status quo till it's not anymore but hopefully you keep
0: watching and listening to every single one john 317 this is steve days
1: on the blaze radio network